Hello, and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. We certainly live in interesting times, don't we? And I think it's, it's so important to understand that although this podcast is called A Photographic Life, perhaps the most important word in that title is actually the word life. There can be no doubt that photography does not live in a vacuum. It doesn't come from a vacuum. It has to reflect the lives we lead and what we see. And, and that means in a social, economic, in a political way. And it's certainly been a political world, as Dylan would say, over the last week. Um, a lot of stuff going on. But one of the things that caught my eye in the past week was an interesting kind of take, I suppose, on the idea of something that we talk an awful lot about here on the podcast, which is visual narrative. And in fact, that idea of being visual storytellers as photographers. There's a cold and obvious truth about homicide-related cases the longer a killing goes unsolved, the less likely the murderer will be brought to justice. And that was the challenge uh, for Andrew Beck Grace and Chip Brantley, Alabama journalists who recently went back to their home state to try and uncover the truth behind the 1965 murder of the Reverend James B. Uh, Reeb, I should say, for NPR's White Lies podcast. Reeb was a, a white civil rights activist who was beaten to death in Selma, Alabama by a group of white men for promoting rights for black Americans. Atlanta-based photographer and avid NRP listener Fernando Decilius got a chance to retrace and document Andrew and Chip's investigative steps and he made photographs for the podcast narrative. You can probably see why this uh, news story that I saw um, kind of piqued my interest. Um, producing a podcast called A Photographic Life, where we don't have any photographs, um, made me instantly think, well, how interesting is that? Where can that, where can that go? And I suppose really what we're talking about there is is a documentary, you know, that's the next step, the still image becoming a, a consecutive series of images that are being bound together by that narrative. But I just thought it was a really interesting um, twist on a subject matter there. And certainly I think, um, although we're not... Um, recommending photography podcasts on this podcast because I tend not to listen to them. Um, I will recommend this podcast and checking out the uh, White Lies on NPR, uh, the American radio station, um, uh, that podcast and, and check it out online as well so that you can see some of the images that were created around that narrative. It leads to back to that idea, really, of uh, life informing what we do and who we are. And I suppose that, that kind of ties up with something else which happened in the last week. I, um, I was uh, accused or attacked, I suppose, in a way. Um, and a few words I, I put forward. I'm working on a, a project at the moment and somebody uh, didn't like um, what somebody else. This is all so complex, isn't it? Let me start that again. So I'm working, collaborating with somebody to put on a photographic event for next February in the UK. Um, more information, obviously, when that all gets tied together. 
And the other person I was collaborating with put something up on social media about rough ideas of, of what we were working on. And um, it was very much a project, uh, I suppose, really coming together. Nothing very set, just to gauge some interest. And somebody uh, made a comment about me and, and about some of the other people actually involved in the, the project. And they said, and this was the criticism, and I found it quite interesting. They accuse us as being white. Well, yes, I am. Male? Yep. Uh, heterosexual? Yep. Middle-aged? Yep. An upper class? Nope. That's the one I thought, well, why are you going there on this? If I was to criticise somebody for being black, male, sorry, excuse me, black, uh, female, um, homosexual, young and working class would that be appropriate i just don't think it would be and it's just not appropriate to put these things out there and it does seem to me to be very much um kind of a, a reflection on this siloing of photography where people do seem to very be very angry and taking these very kind of dogmatic and judgmental stances without really knowing the facts so there I was being accused of upper class and both my parents left school with no education, uh, a hairdresser and a bricklayer, um, and I'm from South London. Uh, I really could not be further away from being upper class. But there was an assumption being made there. And I will agree to all those other things um, that I was being accused of, of being white, male, heterosexual and middle-aged. But does that mean that my opinion is any less valid than anybody else? Well, of course not. Does it mean my experience is any less valid than anybody else? Well, of course not. What it means is that what we should really be talking about here is an open forum. So, you know, photographers, let's stop chucking around these accusations that other people don't understand you because they don't feel the same as you as far as you're concerned based on absolutely no factual information at all. As I keep saying to the young photographers I work with, the really important thing about photography, and I think community, is just to be nice. As regular listeners will know, we have a real variety of photographer who appears on the podcast contributing to our strand of what does photography mean to me, what to them. Uh, this week, I'm really pleased to um, welcome to the podcast uh, a photographer from Amsterdam who I came across through Instagram. Um, you may not have heard of her, so I'm going to give you a little bit of information. Her name is Julie Hrudova, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's H-R-U-D-O-V-A. And she was born in uh, 1988 in Prague, but now lives and works uh, in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Uh, Julie has worked with a variety of publications, including CBS News, The Guardian and Vice News, and her work has also been exhibited in numerous international shows and exhibitions. In 2017, she won the IM Award in the Street Photographer category, and in 2018, her body of work titled Leisure was awarded third prize in the Italian Street Photography Festival. Alongside her photography, she works as a photo editor for RTL News in the Netherlands, and is the founder of the Street Repeat account on Instagram. In 2019, she joined the Burn My Eye Street Photography Collective. Hello, this is Julie Rudova from Amsterdam. 
and originally from Prague. And I'm answering this question of what photography means to me. And basically it means everything. Um, I think that my thoughts, my dreams, my memories, it's all uh, visuals. And um, I often say that my brain is made for just two things, and that is photography or images and languages. And um, But even in the languages, sometimes I have some difficulties in the verbal language to properly explain myself or uh, sometimes a um, message doesn't really get transferred in a way that I want it to. And photography for me is, m is a more direct means of communication. And of course, it's a bit cliche to say that it's, that it's a means to express myself, but it's rather a way to show how I look at the world um, as this absurd place of us people running around in circles and hopping on buses and um, walking the dogs and doing human stuff. And I really enjoy to capture these situations Um, not entirely to show what is exactly happening, but showing a fragment. Um, so for me, photography is interesting because it is a way to uh, translate my to translate an existing reality into my own one. Uh, so I don't want to show you how somebody's walking the dog, but I want to uh, suggest a situation or suggest how it could be happening. And that is, I think, the strong uh, part about photography as it's has often been seen as this very truthful and objective medium that is showing the truth. But of course, that makes it also extremely manipulative. And that is for me also interesting um, because you can hide certain information and you can um, show the world how you want to show it and um, it is also my compass on the street because I don't have any uh, sense of direction of, of logistics so I let uh, the hunt for the image to lead me through the cities or through places and um, it, it, it often gets me to strange neighborhoods or remote places and um, there's always this exciting thought that maybe around the corner something will happen, that some surprise will wait for me. And of course, often that doesn't happen. So it's often a frustrating hunt. But when I tend to give up, then often there is a surprise waiting for me. And that's, that's what I love about photography in public space. Thank you. I really enjoy listening to a multitude of different kind of uh, perspectives on the medium of photography uh, each week. Last week from A.D. Coleman, somebody with a whole lifetime behind him uh, of consideration around uh, photography. And this week, Julie, there, just very much kind of starting out in a lovely kind of freshness. I hope you enjoy that too. Uh, if you do enjoy this strand, um, what I've started to do is uh, put up those um, contributions that we get each week, kind of stripped, stripped away from the podcast. And they're on the Patreon page, um, which you can uh, join and you can find out by finding uh, a photo on Patreon. Um, for the price of less than a cappuccino, you can get access to all of the um 
previous contributions. I think we're up to about 50 or 60, maybe more than that now. Um, and I'll be gradually putting those up in chronological order as they've appeared. So if you're not already aware that we're on Patreon and you can support us on Patreon for just $3 a month, that's all it takes to start, um, then please do that. There's a lot of other uh, exclusive uh, content there as well. So that's the end of that kind of uh, advert for uh, for this week. Um, one of the other things which I, I really wanted to talk about this week, and there really has been so much going on in the last week, it's really hard to keep up with it. But one of the things I wanted to talk about was a particular book, which um, I'd been looking forward to reading. And Initially, I was going to talk about it on this podcast um, at some length and detail, and then I decided rather than doing that, I would write an article for the United Nations of Photography website. It's up there now, and um, it's about Q&As. You'll see the graphic for it. And it very much deals with this idea of the constructed answer and the conversation, and it's a call for conversation over the constructed answer. The book I'm talking about was published by Aperture, and it's 40 photographers talking about their practice and how they they go about working. It's a really good mix of different photographers uh, in the book. You might want to check it out. It's not a particularly expensive book. I think just around kind of £13 sterling, something around that, that kind of mark, which with the way in which the sterling and the dollar is at the moment, that's about $13, $14, I would have thought. But anyway... Um, what I wanted to talk about uh, with that was that the book is constructed around a set of questions that are the same question for every photographer in the same order. And although I was really looking forward to it, and, and I have to be honest, I, you know, I paid for this book. I didn't get sent a free review copy or anything like that. I put my hand in my pocket. I was just so disappointed when this kind of format, which is to me is, is much closer to a, a magazine format that you would get of kind of flip answers, and that by having this kind of very structured uh, question format, it doesn't allow the questioner to, to have the follow-up question. And as we know, in a political world, as I said at the beginning, the follow-up question is so often the most important one that actually responds to the original answer it's the basis of really good journalism to be able to respond and know your facts so that you can go back at that person and kind of pull out that really kind of special information that um, goes beneath the surface anyway um, this particular book does not do that and i thought that that was a real shame and a real opportunity missed what it then started to make me think was how often I get asked um, either to be interviewed or to talk about something uh, around photography. And I'm often given the option to, um, you know, get, get be given the questions and then I can write my answers and the whole thing is com completely uh, controlled. And that sense of control to, for me um, doesn't really work. And so I always reject that offer. Um, and then it made me think, well, yeah, you know, there are so many interviews now online with photographers where it's very obvious that this format is being applied. Now, I've spoken to a number of photographers in the past about being interviewed, and some of them have said, well, you know, I'm not very good at answering questions and what have you, and therefore, uh, can you send me the questions and I'll write the answers? 
And at that point, I always said, well, actually, do you know what? It's probably better that we don't do the interview at all because I think it should either be a conversation that has nuance and it has um, some depth or alternatively, it um, shouldn't really happen. And I suppose each week when we do the what does photography mean to me, what I'm really trying to do there is answer, ask a question and then whatever the answer is, kind of allow you to come up with your own interpretation to that rather than just hit somebody with another uh, question which has kind of got no relevance to what the person has just said. I hope this is making some kind of a, a kind of sense. There's so much to get in this week. Um, but anyway, that's kind of where it is. There is an article that I've written about this which is on, as I say, unitednationsofphotography.com and uh, you might want to uh, read that and go into a little bit more uh, detail. But if you are in a position whereby you know, you are a photographer and you are being asked to be interviewed, please just kind of let go. Allow that kind of um, conversation to develop. Don't try be and control the outcome um, quite so much. I guess in a way, all of this kind of ties back to what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast about this very kind of um, judgmental approach that I'm seeing at the moment. I'm either seeing a lot of people and hearing a lot of people who are very dogmatic in their opinions and really do not have um, any problem with putting stuff out there, whether it be true, factual or anything. But if it's their opinion, it's going to be said. And then others who feel kind of very intimidated by the current climate and feel as if they've either got to control it or not say anything at all. I suppose really where we are now is at a point at which what we really need is some balance, some of that middle ground. We're in a world where truth and lies seem to be increasingly, uh, well, the lies are allowed to go ahead and the truth gets buried. We seem to be in a world where the expert is increasingly devalued by the loud person who thinks that they are an expert. Maybe again this week, I've gone a little bit political. It's kind of political and it kind of isn't in a way, I suppose. I'm on the fence. I'm in the middle. I'm trying to find a little bit of balance. But whatever we do in the coming weeks, um, the most important thing is just to take care.